0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. We're in week three of a five-part series we're doing uh, about questions. And, and we're answering these questions called, You Ask For It. And a few months ago, we, we asked you to ask questions So you got online, and you submitted questions, and you turned questions in, and we've been going through and answering the top five questions that you asked. We started by talking about, are we living in the last days? We answered that in week one. We talked last week about the goodness of God. Is God, is He good? Is He really good? Is He good all the time? Is He bad? Uh, We answered that question last week. If you missed either of those first two weeks, you can go back and listen to those uh, online. Today, I'm going to answer a question. I'm really excited about this question. Because uh, this is a great question for us to be asking as a church. And that is this. How do I tell people about Jesus? How do I share this gospel message? You you guys asked this question. And I'm so glad you did. In fact, i got to say, as a pastor, I'm really excited that this was one of the most asked questions. Because that tells me something. That as a church, we're not just concerned about ourselves. But that we care about the world around us. And we need to. Because I want you to understand this morning. This is not just a question to be asked. As believers... This is a mandate that we should be living by. This is something God has called us to live by. In fact, uh, Mark 16, verse 15 says this It says, We are to go into all the world, all the world. Everybody say all. All, all is all, right? So all is everywhere. All is your workplace, it's, it, all is your neighborhood. Students, all is your school. Whether you're in college, junior high, high school, listen, you're not just there to get an education. God has placed you in those settings to be a witness to who he is. We're to go into all the world and we're to preach the gospel. Gospel means good news. This good news of Jesus Christ, we're to preach it to, to every creature. This is what God has called us to do. And so understanding that, that, that helps us to understand our role as a church. See, New Song Church doesn't just exist for churchy people. We're not here just for us. That's why I say all the time, this is do, too good to keep to ourselves. We can't keep this just for us. we got to get this out and share this with other people. We exist to help people know God, right? And and that's us, yes, but that's also the people outside of these walls. And so we would say that those people who don't know God, because some people don't know God. They don't know Him like we know God. They don't have a relationship with God. And we would say that those people are lost. And, and, And they're away from God. And I want you to understand some of this more. In fact, if you're filling out notes, here's the first Uh, Blank, God loves the lost. God loves lost people. Uh, A few years ago, five years ago, me and my wife Sarah and our kids were coming home from a a road trip. We got on with our kids. My son Gus was five at the time. My daughter Bo was two and a half at the time. And Sarah was pregnant with our our youngest, Sonny. And so we were coming home from a road trip. Now, if you've gone on a road trip with little kids, I don't know if if you've done this lately or if it's been a while, you've got to bring a lot of stuff. Like a lot of stuff. I mean, lots of bags, lots of stuff. And so we got home from the trip, and you know what you do? You pull into the garage, and, and we're unloading all of our stuff. And so the garage door's open, the door leading into the house is open, and I'm bringing in bags, and I'm bringing in fans, and I'm bringing in play pins, and all sorts of stuff that you bring in when you go travel with little kids. I'm bringing all this stuff in. And I get upstairs, and me and Sarah start talking about something. I don't remember what we were talking about. But as we're talking, all of a sudden, she stops and she says, have you seen Bo?" And Bo's two and a half. I'm like, no. And before I can really even answer that first question, she says, did you leave the garage door open? And when she said that, my heart just just sunk. Because a couple things you need to understand. One is if you got a little kid, like they're good at finding open doors. You may relate to this, man? And, and two, my daughter Bo is especially good at finding open doors. Like she would sniff those suckers out. And so the moment that she says this, I'm remembering, yeah, the garage door's open, the door leading out, I mean, it's open, and we don't know where she is. And so I didn't even answer Sarah, I actually just took off running. Because our house was the third house in our neighborhood, this was in Dallas at the time, and you go down two houses, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a street, a very busy street. And if she goes down that way and cuts out there, I mean, it could be terrible. And So I'm thinking that, so I just take off running, I run down the stairs, I probably touch three of the stairs going down. I head out the front door and I'm just running towards that, that, open, that open road because I'm thinking if she's heading that way, I want to head her off. I get over there to the road and she's nowhere to be seen. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe she's just in the house. And so I start kind of jogging back to the house. And then I see Sarah come out of the house with a look of panic on her face saying she's, not, she, she's nowhere in the house. And so now we're both kind of freaking out like our little girl, two and a half year old girl is missing And we're outside and we're yelling her name and we're looking around and we're looking all over the place for her. We cannot find her anywhere. Neighbors are coming outside and looking with us. I am seconds away from dialing 911 when I look up into the driveway and I see my daughter. And she's in our car, (laughs) sitting behind the steering wheel, (laughs) pretending to drive, watching us run around yelling her name (laughs) and just thinks it's the funniest thing ever. And so you know what you do, parents, like you run up to the car and you open up the door and you like grab them and you're hugging them and you're so happy to see them, but you're also like, don't you ever do that again, you know what I mean? But I remember that night, I remember um, going up to her room at bedtime and putting my hand on her, her little back as she was asleep in bed and just being like, Lord, thank you that she's safe and that she's not lost, that she's not away, that she's here. Why? Because She's mine because I value her. I love her. I I don't want to see her away, because I know what's out there in the world. I know there's things out there that could hurt her. I know there's people out there that would do terrible things to her. I know what's out there, and so I'm I'm glad that she's with me. I'm glad that she's home. I say that this morning, church, because I believe that, understand this, God loves the lost, and lost people are not just Lost people. Like sometimes we think of lost people as a category. But they're not a category to God. They're people that God values and loves dearly. Yeah. He loves lost people like we love our children. Except even more so because our love in comparison to the love of God, does, it, it pales. There's not even, it's not even close. And he loves those lost people. And he values them. And he knows better than any of us what can happen to them if they continue to live this life away from him. What awaits them in this world and what awaits them in eternity to come. You know, I've noticed something. You probably have noticed this too. Anytime I lose something of value, it's distracting. You ever notice that? Like if you lose your wallet, it's distracting. You lose your purse, it's distracting. A a few years ago, I was going to a Dallas Cowboys game. Now, if you know anything about me, you know I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Huge Dallas Cowboys fan. have been my whole life. Uh, And so there that is. I put that out there, all right? (laughs) And so I'm going to this game, and I'm excited about the game. It's one of the early games in the season. I've got good seats. Me and Sarah are going. before we had kids, and uh, we're pumped about it. We live in Tulsa at the time. We've driven up to Dallas, got a hotel. Like We're doing the whole thing. And so I'm walking into the stadium, and and I go to buy a program. And so I get out my wallet. I pay for this program. Then we go into the stadium, and uh, a little bit later, I want to go get some snacks. So I get ready to head up to the concession stand. I reach in my back pocket, and my wallet is gone. And now I'm wondering, okay, I know I had it when I got the program, but now where is it? And so I actually go out there looking for it, like I'm going to find it if it fell on the ground somewhere with all these thousands of people. I can't find it. I'm wondering, did I get pickpocketed? I'm I'm trying to figure out. I'm thinking of all of the things that this means now. Like this means I lost my driver's license. I have to go to the DMV now. (laughs) I'm thinking about that, how horrible that's going to be. I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about my credit cards. I, in fact, I have to call the credit card companies while I'm trying to watch this game and cancel these credit cards so that nobody's you know, buying up all this stuff with my cards. I'm thinking of the cash. I'm thinking of all the stuff that I'm going to have to replace. And even though I'm in this place that I love to be, surrounded by fans in this incredible environment, I'm distracted by what's missing. And, and here's what I, I believe, guys. I believe that God looks at what's happening at New Song Church, and I believe that He loves it. I mean, if you were at worship night last Sunday night, it was incredible. And, and the growth that we're seeing, I mean, we're, we're a couple of weeks away from starting our third service here. I mean, God is doing amazing things in this church. It's exciting. And, and beyond just the, the growth numerically, just the growth that we're seeing in people's lives and healings that are taking place and people that are going all in with God and serving and getting connected in groups. And I mean, it's amazing. I believe, I believe this. I believe God looks at what's happening here today, and he's looking at us going, I'm so proud of you. And he loves what's happening. He loves who's here. But understand this. I also believe that God is distracted by who's not here. That God is looking outside of these walls of this church today. And he sees people that he loves that aren't here. And, and, and I believe this. I believe God looks at who's here. And he's praying that we'll get a revelation of our role in, the, in, in, this, in this gospel message. So that the people who are here will reach out to the people who aren't here and get them here. Amen. Because understand, that's what we're called to do. See, God loves the lost. And here's the second thing. We are God's plan A when it comes to reaching the lost. If you're taking notes this morning, that's your second blank there. We are God's plan A. When it comes to reaching the world around us, we're God's plan A now. And there is no plan B. God needs people. He needs people like me and you who would be willing to to step out and do what God's calling us to do. In fact, look at this verse with me. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Actually, turn there. And as you turn there, let let me tell you this. I read this week that uh, they've done some kind of statistical analysis stuff, and they have determined that they believe that 125,000 people die every day and go to hell. And and how they they come to that number is they, they look at how many people die across the world, and they kind of base who professes, they do statistical analysis, and base who professes Jesus to be their Lord, and then based on that they come up with this number of the people that don't. Now, I would say this, I think that number is actually a little low. I really do. I think that there's probably actually more than that that are, that are going to hell every day. But, let, but let's just say this, let's just say that that's true. It's 125,000 people a day. Here's what that tells me, church. We got our work cut out for us. I, I hope that you take that number personally, because that represents 125 people that are marching into the gates of hell for Eternity. We, we have to take a number like that and take it very seriously and understand that we are God's answer. That Jesus is the answer, but He's called us to bring that answer to people. Look at this with me. This is 2 Corinthians 5. It says this, So we are Christ's ambassadors. We're ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? If you were an ambassador for America, the United States, and you go to a foreign country, what you do is you represent the leadership of your country in a foreign country. That there's people that... You're representing people who aren't there. So as Christ's ambassadors, listen, we represent to this world Jesus who is not here in the flesh. That's our role. We, we represent God to the world around us. He's looking at us to, to fulfill that. So, so understanding that, you probably heard this saying before, the only Jesus some people will ever meet is the Jesus in you. That's why the Bible says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. That inside of us is the presence of God and, and Jesus, and we can bring that into the world around us. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 3 that the whole wisdom of God is made known through his church. We reveal the plan of God. We reveal what God wants to do in this world through through our life. God uses people and he needs people. Go back to it says we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal, so he's making his appeal to people through pastors. Is that what it says? that's no, not what it says. Through full-time ministers, is that what it says? Is that what it says, church? No. Through theologically trained seminary leaders, is that what it says, church? No. no, it's not. Through us. Through us. We, look at this, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God reveals himself through his people. And he's called people like me and you to be people who bring a revelation of the love of God and the love of Jesus to the world around us. But the problem is, how do we do that? Like, we, we a lot of us understand that, but yet we're kind of afraid of that. Like, it, I can even tell by the room right now, you're, you're a little nervous that I'm gonna give you a bunch of tracks when you leave today and be like, go pass these out, you know? Get that little $100, fake $100 bill, put it on the ground. Which is the worst idea ever. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? This track that's like a fake hundred dollar bill. And so somebody, somebody who's lost thinks, oh, I found a hundred bucks. No, I'm going to hell. (laughs) Like, that's not cool. This was the worst idea. One of the worst ideas ever. You don't have to be afraid. We're not going to hand out like those little boards that you turn or burn. Like we're not doing that today. In fact, that's the problem. Is that we think that's what this is. We think that our, our job is to go tell people what's wrong with them and that they're going to hell and we think that but that's not what it is. I want to help you understand this today. I want you to see this today for what it really is. Because I'm telling you, it's actually really simple, it's really freeing, and, and you can be someone who brings Jesus to other people today. Okay, so I want to show you how you do this. Number one, taking notes this morning, how do we do this? Number one, we connect with people. If you're gonna reach people for Jesus, listen to me, listen to me, take a notes, write this down. You gotta connect before you're ever gonna correct. You gotta connect with people. People have to see that you love them, that you care about them. You know, I love Jesus because Jesus gave us such a wonderful example of this. Jesus went about and he connected with people. he connected with sinners. And he didn't compromise his message. Like you see in the life of Jesus, he wasn't just telling these sinners like, oh, just keep doing whatever it is you want to do. Keep living the way you're living. No, no, no. He'd say, go and sin no more. He'd call them to change. But he would connect them and love them, and they would see the love of Jesus for them before he would correct them and tell them about the changes that they need to make. And, And you need to understand this morning, people don't care about information, like, people don't care about that saying. You've heard it before. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. That's really true. And if we're going to reach people, people have to realize that you care about them. We have to have a heart that says we, we're going to connect first. Because I, I want you to know, this is not about winning an argument this morning. Because you can win an argument and lose the person. This is not about being right. This is about being effective. Reaching people. So we connect first. We're, and that's why we do a lot of things that we do here at the church. You know, uh, we, 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 we have a lot of ministries here that we do that, that go outside of the walls of this church to the city around us. Uh, if you're a tithing, giving member of New Song Church, we take some of the tithes and offerings that you give, and we use those to minister healing to this city. Uh, we're helping people come out of drug addiction, through hope is alive we're giving into hope is alive and helping people to not just get out from you know get get out into some kind of rehab but actually get their life back on track so that they can get out from the cycle of addiction and the cycle of continuing to fall back and that's if you give to the church you're helping us to do that you're helping people get off drugs and get their life right get back in their homes with their children like that's happening that's awesome Uh, If you're giving here, you know, we take some of the money you're giving here. And we saw last year, schools in Oklahoma are struggling. Teachers don't have enough money, and the schools are are down and out. And so that's why we're sponsoring schools. We're sponsoring two elementary schools right here. And we're giving towards schools that are less fortunate. In fact, just this week, we heard about a school in downtown Oklahoma City where these lower-income kids are going to school, and some of them have duct tape on their shoes. Some of them don't have shoes. Don't have lunches. Don't have. And so we bought that entire classroom shoes. And, and listen. When I say we. It wasn't me. It was us. We. If you're a giving tithing member of this church. You did that. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to love people. We love people. We show people the love of God. And we, we open them up to see the love of God. So that then we can share with them what this message is that we have. Jesus said this in Luke 19, verse 10. He said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus kind of gave us his message in a nutshell here. And what I love about this verse is that verse, you've all heard that verse before. That verse follows Jesus actually showing us what that verse looks like lived out. Because in verse 1 of that chapter, we have the story of Zacchaeus. Let me me read it to you. Luke 19, verse 1. It says this. It says, Jesus Uh, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. Now, let me kind of break this down for you. Chief tax collectors were bad people. Like they were the worst of the worst in Bible times. Like tax collectors were awful. What they would do is they would go into your home and they would assess all the stuff that you have. And then they would put an amount of money to that. Uh, for the government, but oftentimes they would charge you more than necessary and they would take a portion of that and they would keep it for themselves. And people knew they were doing this and yet you couldn't do anything about it. And so it was like they were openly stealing from people and people knew this. So people hated tax collectors. They hated them. It says this, it says, and he was rich and he was rich because he was stealing from people. Verse three, and he sought to see, look at this, he sought to see who Jesus was was notice he didn't want to know what Jesus taught he didn't want to know what Jesus knew he wanted to know G- who Jesus was and listen New Song Church the people that you're wanting to minister to they, they don't want to know just your message they want to know who you are yeah. they want to get to know you and that's what we have to lead with it says uh he sought to to see who Jesus was but could not because the crowd for he was short in stature he was he was a short guy If you grew up in church, you know he was wee. He's a wee little man, right? We. So verse 4, so he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Is that what it says? No. He said, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Here's what Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to go to lunch with you today. I want to spend some time with you today. That's what Jesus really said. Come down. I want, I want to spend some time with you. And look at look what it says. So he made haste. Let's talk about Zacchaeus and came down and received him joyfully. And listen, church, people will receive you joyfully if your approach to them is, "Hey, let's go grab lunch. Hey, let's 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 set up a play date. Hey, let's let's go hit some golf balls." Rather than, "Hey, you're going to hell." <laughs> Like, that doesn't work. If you connect with them first, make a way to, to connect with them in life. Now look at this. Uh, but when they saw it, that they being the Pharisees, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And listen, they're right. And they think that's a bad thing. But Jesus came to seek and save the lost. How is he going to do that if he's not making a way into their life? Now look at verse 9. Then Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. Now something happens between verse 7 and verse 8. And we don't see the details of it, but what we know happens is he has some time with Jesus. Zacchaeus goes and he has this lunch. He has this time where he has a personal encounter with Jesus. And I want you to see how things change. He said, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. What happened at that lunch? I'll tell you what happened. He had a personal encounter with Jesus. He got to experience the love of Jesus. And it changed. He's, cha- he's a different guy. He used to be a thief. And now he's, he's wanting to restore and fix this and, and pay back people. It says in verse 9, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. And here it is, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The Son of Man, Jesus, came to go have lunch with people. And spend time with them. The Son of of Man, Jesus, came to have some playdates with people. To have some encounters with people where they got to experience the love of God. That's what Jesus said came to do. And I'm telling you, church, if that's the approach that we have, if we lead with love and we choose to connect with people first and reach people and love on them before we try to correct them or try to straighten them out, we just want to love on them. I'm telling you, we will open people up to hear the message that we have, this good news gospel that we have. So number one, we we look to connect with people. Here's the second thing we do. I'm going to share my story with people. If you're going to reach people for Jesus, you've got to share your story with people. I want you to know this morning, you have a story to tell. Every one of you in here, you may say, my story's not that great. You have a story to tell. And you have a story that if you share it with people, it's going to point them to Jesus. God's called you and ordained you to minister. He's anointed you to talk to certain people in your life. And your story, your, your story of what God's done in your life is going to change lives if you will tell it. If you'll get it and, and learn it and know how to tell it to people the right way, it can change lives. And let me just give you a little evangelism tip this morning, okay? The role that God has called us to is not this role of going into people's lives and looking at their life and figuring out what's wrong with them and then highlighting that for them. Like, that's not going to get you anywhere. That's not what, the Bible doesn't tell us to do that. In fact, the Bible says this. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 16. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, so what happens is we live a life in such a way that people see the works that we're doing and it glorifies God. It points people to Jesus. They see that something in us that they say, man, I, I don't know what you have, but I want that. I see something in you. And when we live a life like that, our life becomes a witness for Jesus Christ, which is what we're we're called to be. We're called to be witnesses. Acts 1.8 says this, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You're called to be a witness. I remember growing up in church world in the 80s and 90s, and there was this thing that people would do called street witnessing. Any, Any 80s, 90s people remember street witnessing? And I was terrified of this. And what you would do is, Uh, you would go out and just, like, randomly, like, you'd find some rando guy and go up to him and just be like, hey, man, how's it going? Uh, If you were to die right now, do you know where you'd go? And just kind of go for it. And I hated this. Like, it terrified me. I I remember going on a mission trip with my church to Panama City, Florida. (laughs) And they were like, okay, now we're going to go do street witnessing. And I was just going up to people being like, hey, so what's your favorite band? Like... Because I was scared to tell, I I didn't know what to do. I remember trying to talk to this guy and he, and it was just kind of like, hey, do you know if you died today, where'd you go? And he's like, no. Okay. Do you you care or what? Not really. All right. Cool. All right. See you later, man. Like it just, now I'm not trying to dog that approach necessarily because I'll say this. I, I know people that have been saved through that approach. And I think if God's calling you and highlighting somebody for you in and, and that way, God can lead you that way. But I'll just say this. The people I knew that were going out and doing that, very rarely did they actually see people come to Jesus. And even more rarely did we ever see that person get plugged into a church. Why? Because honestly, if you really think about it, that's not being a witness. Like, think about a court setting, okay? In a courtroom, you have a judge... You have a prosecuting attorney, you have a defense attorney, and you have witnesses. And they all have roles to play. The judge judges things. But listen, God hasn't called you to be the judge. He hasn't called you to be the judge. God hasn't called you to be the prosecuting attorney. God hasn't called you to go up to people and tell them what's wrong and and try to convict them of something. God hasn't called you, listen, to even be the defense attorney. Going around trying to defend everything. God's called you to be a witness. And what a witness does is they say this is how I see it. This is what I've experienced. This is what I saw. This is what I, has happened to me. And the beautiful thing about that approach is nobody can argue with your witness. Like somebody could come up to me and they could tell me, hey, I don't believe in this God stuff. This Jesus stuff, that's, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I, I don't buy it for a second. Well, I'm going to tell them, listen, I do because I've experienced it and I've seen it. I've seen God work in my life. Beyond that, my mom, who's here this morning, when she was a young kid, one day she was running to see her father and she, she fell down and, and hit her head and when she did it, it triggered a birth defect that caused her to have a crossed eye. And so she grew up all through elementary school, all through junior high, high school with this crossed eye and she had to wear corrective glasses in order to, to have this eye not just be wandering off and, and, and this was her rea- I've seen the pictures of it, but at 17 years old she gave her her life to Jesus with a group of friends. And and these friends said, hey, we believe that Jesus can heal you. And and do you want to be healed? And she was just like, sure. And and so they laid hands on her and her eye straightened up. Like that happened. I'm a witness to that. I've seen that. I've seen the pictures before and I know her now. And she's had 20, well, not 20, 20 vision, but good vision. That's when the cross eyes since then. I, and, okay, and let me, ta- let me take it a step further. A few years later, my parents are wanting to have children, and they're, they're not. And so my mom goes to the doctor, and she finds out that she has, a, she has endometriosis. And they tell her that she'll never have children and that she has to have a hysterectomy. But she believes what the Word of God says, which she finds a verse that says that he'll make the, the barren woman to be a joyful mother of children. She begins to stand on that verse. And um, I exist. Are you, are you following me? Like you can, yeah, that's, that's my, te- this is my witness. I'm here. <laughs> like you don't believe in Jesus. Cool. I'm here. Okay. So good luck with that. Like you're never going to convict me otherwise, but here's what I'm saying. You you have a witness to the, the work of God in your life. And that's what God's calling you to share, to just share the goodness, the goodness of what God has done. I, I hope you guys are tracking with me. I, I want this to feel easy. Because we look at it and we think, oh, I got to do all these things that are outside of my character. And, no, no, God's asking you to just share this love and connect with people and be willing to share your story with people. And so, so we're called to be prepared. So are you prepared? Can you share your story? I'll get real practical with you. Do you could you, if, if, if you had two minutes, could you share your testimony in a good way? If you can't, work on that. Like get yourself to a place where you can share what's, what I would call your elevator testimony. Where you could just share with somebody real quickly and point them to the goodness of God and what he's done in your life. I'll give you an example. I grew up in church. Here's my testimony. I grew up in church. I had parents that loved God, brought me up in the things of God. But, but my problem was I inherited my walk with God. And, and I had what I would call an information ship with God. I knew a lot about God, but I didn't have a real relationship with him personally. And so I got into my 20s when it was time for me to really start stepping out from underneath their shadow into real life. And my life was a mess. And even though I was in the church world, I was a pastor of a big youth ministry, I I was struggling. My marriage was a mess. My relationships were a mess. I was struggling with sin. It was kicking my butt every day. And so finally I turned to God and I decided to make God the Lord of my life. Not just the Savior of my life, but the Lord of my life. I surrendered myself to him fully and said, I'm going to do things your way. And what I found is I found not a religion, but I found a relationship. I found a God who wanted to walk with me through life and help me. And I I came to know God, not know about God, but know him in a real way. And he changed everything for me. And so here's why this church exists and why our passion is to help people know God. We exist to help people know God because that's what I've experienced and that's what I want other people to experience. That's my two-minute testimony. It's, it's that simple. But if you can share your testimony in a way that, that is in, attractive to people, you can open people up to hear what it is that God wants to do in their life. So I, I'd encourage you to, to, to figure, out, sh- figure out a way to share your story. Connect with people. Share your story. Here's the third thing you need to do. If you want to tell people about Jesus, invite them to a place where they can experience God. Invite them to a place where they can experience God. And I happen to know of a great yeah. one. Right here. And if you're new to New Song Church, let me kind of let you in on a little bit of what this church is all about. Because maybe, just maybe, you're experiencing something here that's a little different than what maybe you've experienced before. And you're wondering what that's all about. Well, let me just say this. Uh, We do not exist as a church to create these creative services for you to attend. That's not what we're about. We are about creating opportunities for you to encounter God, Amen. for you to really encounter their living, loving Jesus Christ. That is the passion of this church. Why? Because Jesus isn't a religion. He is a person. And you can't have a personal relationship with a religion, but you can a person. So we want people to experience the person of Jesus Christ. And so as a church, we are driven by that. We are presence driven, meaning we are driven to create atmospheres where the presence of God can move. Spirit-led, meaning that God is really the director of this church and where we go. Spirit-led, presence-driven. That's what we're all about. Holy Spirit, God is the pastor of New Song Church. Jesus is the pastor of New Song Church. We're going to do what he says to do. That's why some of you have come to me before with ideas for the church, and I'll say, let me go talk to my boss about it. <laughs> and I'm going to go pray because God is the, Jesus is the boss of this church. We're spirit-led, presence-driven because we want Jesus to have encounters with people because here's the thing, only he can heal people. Some of you have experienced that. We're seeing healings take place. We're seeing people break free from addictions. We're seeing marriages broken. Why? Because people are encountering Jesus. People are experiencing for real the love of God. And so we are driven for that. We desire that. We desire to create those opportunities for you. A.W. Tozer said this. I love this quote. There will be no manifestation of the presence of Christ without acute desire. We've got to desire the presence of God. God waits to be wanted. Sadly, he often must wait very long. God waits to be wanted. He wants to be wanted. In in fact, the Bible says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, this is God talking, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. God is just looking for the opportunity to come into our life. But listen, he doesn't go where he's not invited. And so as a church, I want you to know, we are inviting the presence of God here. We sit back in the screen room before we, the band comes out here to, to lead these songs. And we're saying, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. If you're not here, we don't want to do this. This, church, this city doesn't need another church that just puts, does some cool songs. The city doesn't need another pastor just getting up and sharing creative talks about biblical truths. What we need is encounters with God. Encounters with God will change you. Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus a personal encounter with Jesus, and it changed his life. Paul, remember Paul? Paul, before he became the greatest apostle who ever lived, before he wrote two-thirds of the Old Testament, he was a Pharisee. (laughs) He killed Christians. He thought that, that this gospel, this Christian movement, he thought it was a cult. And so he was killing Christians. And he was driven by that until on the road to Damascus, he had a personal encounter with Jesus. And it completely turned him around encounters with God will change you. I could stand up here all day and preach for 20 years, and it's not going to mean as much as one word from the Spirit of God is going to mean to you. That's why we desire that. We desire that you would have an encounter with God. We're making a place for God. Listen, Jesus is the guest of honor at New Song Church. We love that you're here. We're making a place for all of you. We hope that you feel loved and desired, but the the guest of honor at this church is Jesus. We want him here more than anybody. Because if he ain't here, we're wasting our time. He's the one that'll heal you. He's the one that'll change you. He's the one that'll set you free. I should be getting a better amen than this. That's what's different about this church. And I love what what Paul had to say. After he has this experience with God, he talks about how he then began to share this gospel with the world around him in 2 Corinthians 2. I'm gonna read this from the message translation because I love the way it reads it. He says, you'll remember friends that when I first came to you to let you know about God's master stroke. So he's talking about the plan of God. He said, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches because listen, that ain't gonna do it. Your polished speeches about whatever theological stuff is not gonna do it. And the latest philosophy, even though Paul was qualified to do that, that's not what he tried to do. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. This is the approach we have to have. We're deliberately keeping it plain and simple. This is who Jesus is. This is what he did. Here's what he's done in my life. And he loves you. That's it. It's that simple. Verse three, I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. And maybe that's some of you today. Maybe that's how you felt coming in today. You felt inadequate about this. That's why you're asking the question, how do I do this? I was scared to death, if you want to know the truth. And so nothing I said could have impressed you. And listen, New Song Church, nothing you say is going to impress anybody else either. That's not what it's about. But the message came through anyway. How? God's spirit and God's power did it. That word spirit there is the Greek word pneuma, which speaks to the breath of God, which speaks to the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know as you, as you go out and you begin to put these things in place and look to connect with people and look to share your story and look to invite people, what will happen is you invite the Holy Spirit into that. He'll begin to use you and show you what to say and how to say it and guide you. And I can tell you, I mean, let, me, let me let you in on something, okay? Sometimes I have people come up to me here at church and they start talking to me about stuff and they'll come to me with some problems or issues that they're dealing with, and they're talking to me, and I'll just tell you what's going on in my mind while they're talking, okay? Here's what's going on inside my mind. I'm thinking, I have no idea what to tell this person right now. Anybody else relate to me? And they're talking, and I'm listening, and the whole time they're talking, I have no idea what I'm gonna say. And then they get done talking, and now it's my turn to talk. And I still don't know what I'm gonna say, but I just begin to share. And and what's amazing is, how the Holy Spirit will begin to start showing me what to say. And I'll begin to start saying stuff. And I, I, I literally, I'll find myself, like I say stuff, and I'm inside, I'm going, man, that was really good. And I say, listen, when I say that, I'm not saying it to impress. I, I'm saying that because I'm, I'm saying, the Holy Spirit, that was really good. Thank you. See, see here's the thing. We are just saying, God, we want to be ministers. No, I'm not asking you to be a salesman. Don't be a salesman, be a minister. I, I remember when we were planning this church, we had nine months where we were trying to build a team so that we could have a launch service and launch this church. And, and I remember going to my first coffee with a guy and I'm driving over to meet this guy to tell him about the church. And, and I'm thinking as I'm driving over there, I'm like, man, what am I gonna say? Like, I've gotta be a salesman here. And I'm thinking about it all this And, I, and I'm, I'm literally thinking in my mind, like, man, I don't wanna be a salesman. That's not me. Like, that's not really what I wanna do. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he said, don't be a salesman, be a minister. I didn't call you to the city to sell people on stuff i called you to this city to be a minister so go into this meeting looking to minister to that person and and that's what i did i'd go into those meetings with people and i would sure i'd answer their questions i'd cast a vision for the church but more than anything i was thinking if i can minister to this person because listen church if you'll minister to people you'll win them to the things of god because people need help people are looking for answers and you have the answer And if your approach is not I'm trying to sell people but your approach is I'm going to minister to every person I encounter. I'm going to love them. I'm just going to share my story tell it like it is. I'm a witness and I'm going to invite them to an environment where they can come and experience the presence of God with other believers. And I'm telling you God will use you in incredible ways to change the world. Church, 125,000 people. 125,000 people. We got our work cut out for us. But the greater one the greater one lives inside of us. You have everything you need to go out and change the world. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we love you and we're grateful for all that you've done for us. And we thank you for this incredible message that we have. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here This morning, and you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're kind of hearing me talk about this, and maybe you're like me. Maybe you grew up in church and you have kind of an information ship with God. You know a lot about Him, but you've never really surrendered yourself to Him fully. You've kind of made Jesus your Savior, but you haven't made Him your Lord. And you could say that you're here today, you kind of say that I don't know that I'm really, I don't really know where I stand with God. Or maybe you're here today and you've never darkened the door of a church. You know, You don't know. This is all new to you. But you're seeing something here that's attractive to you, and you want to know more about it. If if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. See, Jesus came, and the beautiful gospel message is that Jesus came, and he died on the cross, and he shed his blood, and he took a punishment that he didn't deserve, the punishment for sin. Jesus never sinned. Death had no claim to his life, but he went to the cross and he died on the cross so that we who are sinners could exchange our death for his life. And so through Jesus, if we, the Bible says, we confess him, Lord, believe in our heart that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, that we will be saved. And what happens is we become born again and our spirit is made new in Jesus Christ. Right now, if you don't know Jesus, if you never made him the Lord of your life, your spirit's dead. But the moment that you pray a prayer and invite Jesus to be your Lord. Your spirit is made alive in Jesus Christ and you are born again. You become what the Bible calls a new creature in Christ Jesus. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it means you can now start to live from that new life and begin to change your world and the world around you. It's a beautiful thing. If you're here today and you've never experienced that before, uh, it's the greatest miracle you can ever experience. And you can do that today. All you have to do is, is pray a simple prayer and we'd love to pray that prayer with you. So if that's you today and you would say, I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to know that I'm right with God. I want to know that, that that if I was to die, that I would go to heaven. I want to know that, that I'm right. I want to be born again. If that's you today, if you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, just between me and you, would you put your hand up for me to see? Just go ahead and slip it up. Slip your hand up. I see one hand, yes. I see another hand. Yes. If that's you today, you say, God, I want to know that I'm right with God. If that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up for me to see it real quick? You can put it up and put it right back down if that's you. Awesome. Well, several hands went up. If, if you raised your hand, I, I want you to do something with me now. I want you to pray a prayer with me. And, and church, because we all believe in what they're doing, we're going to pray this prayer together in agreement. And, and a miracle is about to take place a miracle heaven is about to go nuts and rejoice because you are making Jesus the lord of your life and your salvation is made secure in him so if you pray if you raise your hand pray this prayer and mean it in your heart and those of you who are in here let's pray this together say dear jesus i need you in my life i acknowledge that i've sinned i come to you right now confessing that i am lost i ask you for forgiveness Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe you are the son of God. That you rose from the dead. That you are alive today. I open the door of my heart. And receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. For giving me eternal life. I give you control of my life. From this moment forward. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen church let's celebrate. prayed that prayer for the first time, make sure at the end of the service, uh, come down. In fact, I'm going to invite our altar ministry team down right now. These guys are going to be up here. They'd love to pray with you. If you have any need in your life of any kind, maybe you're struggling with something financially, mentally, physically, if it matters to you, it matters to God, right? New Song Church, if you're dealing with something, no matter how big or how small it is, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And also remember if you're dealing with something, no matter how big or small it is, it's all small to God. The difference between a headache and cancer is vir- is not at anything in comparison to a God who holds the whole world in his hand. So whatever you're dealing with, know this, God can heal you. God can change you. God can free you. And these guys would love to join their faith with yours in prayer. If you prayed that prayer to make Jesus the Lord of your life, come let one of these guys know at the end of service, because we want to give you something to help you walk out this walk of faith. Now, one more thing I want to do. Stand up, church, if you would. I am asking you, church, to be a church of invitation. Uh, In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to start a series called Why We. We're celebrating three years as a church. And as we enter into this series, I'm telling you, it's going to be a very evangelistic series. It's a great opportunity for you to invite people to church I know some of you are thinking about people in your world, thinking about people in your schools, in your workplaces, people who don't know God like you know him. If you're thinking about that person, take these steps. How can you begin to take these steps? How can you connect with them, show them the love of Jesus? How can you share your story with them? How can you invite them? Because church, I want to see hands going up. There are lost people in that world that God wants to see in this room, and he's looking for you. You are God's plan A. So let's be a church of invitation. Let's be a church that changes the world. Let's get more people into this incredible, incredible life that we have with Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you would stretch out your hands kind of like this, like you're receiving something. I want to pray over you this morning. Lord, I thank you for our church. I thank you. See these hands, Lord. These hands represent the posture of our heart. And I don't believe there's a person in here that would say, I don't want to be used by you, Lord. Our heart posture is, God, use me. Have your way in my life. Use my words. Use my hands, use my feet, use my finances. Use use me, God. I offer myself fully to you as a sacrifice. Lord, let my life be pleasing. Let my life be an act of worship. Let my life be a life that ushers people in to a life of of God. God, I'm not okay with 125,000 people going to hell every day. Help me to bring some people to, to you, Lord, so that you can change their life. Use us, God, in Jesus' name.